Hi, my name is Mandy Jackson Beverly, and I'm a bibliophile. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Bookshop Podcast, where I interview booksellers and independent bookshop owners from around the world. To help the show reach more people, please share with friends and family and on social media. And remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. You're listening to episode 140. O'Connell's Bookshop in Adelaide, Australia, is the city's oldest second-hand and antiquarian bookshop. The bookshop was established in 1957 by Reg O'Connell and is now run by his grandson, Benjamin. The shelves are filled with a vast selection of books, including an extensive selection of classics, popular fiction, art, history, Aboriginal culture, military, Australiana, music, philosophy, beat writers, children's books, first editions, occult, esoteric, and attractive folio editions. Hi, Ben, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Mandy. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Now, O'Connell's Bookshop is a third-generation family business. So can you tell us a little bit about who opened the store and why they decided to open a bookshop? Well, um, O'Connell's Bookshop was founded back in 1957 by my grandfather, Reginald O'Connell, and uh, he he started the shop um, back in the 1950s after serving in World War II. And um, he'd always had an interest in books and business. And at the time, that was the, 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 uh, the choice that he made. And then your father took over the business, followed by you. Is that right? Well, yeah. Well, Reg, it has been a family affair since then. And uh, Reg did it from about 1957 to the, to the year 2000 when he started having some health problems. He was born back in the 1920s. And uh, around that time, my mother and father ushered the shop through into a different era, expanding the range, um, updating to more current tastes and uh, broader ranges, uh, what the shop stopped and expanded our clientele from from then on. And you have a brick and mortar presence at 19 Bank Street in Adelaide. Do you also sell books online and do you have a website? I had difficulty finding one. We sell through ABE Books. We, we do have a bricks and mortar, and we've always had a bricks and mortar shop in the middle of Adelaide. This is the about the fourth reincarnation of it. We move every sort of 15 to 20 years, it seems. Good Lord, that must be an undertaking. <laughs> yeah, we moved to the spot that I've been in now about seven years ago. It's the sort of shop that you want to browse in and customers like to visit as a destination because of the, the sort of selection that, that we curate. So it's really a shop best enjoyed browsing in, in store. However, we do sell through ABE Books and we've got a few thousand on there and we sell quite a lot throughout Australia and throughout the world, quite a lot to the United States, quite a lot to England, some to Asia, Europe. So, yeah, we sell all over the world, but generally they're the more sp- sort of specific, specialised items that uh, the market for bigger bit. You mentioned your customers are worldwide, but do you have a large customer base in Adelaide? Well, being the oldest bookshop in South Australia and one of the oldest in Australia, uh, I've got some customers who've been coming to the shop for close to half a century. Um, and these customers have been dealing with my parents before me and my grandfather before that. So the, the relationships that, that are established in that way are, are very strong. So, yeah, we do have a, a quite a solid customer base in Adelaide. However, we're always 
finding new customers in Adelaide who haven't, who haven't found us before, which is remarkable and always pleasant and surprising. But we've got lots of visitors who come from the eastern states and, and around Australia who it's always a destination for them to come to when they come to Adelaide. Yes, and it's a beautiful city. I actually lived and worked in Adelaide during the late 70s and early 80s, and I remember it as a beautiful city full of stunning parks, beaches, and gorgeous historic architecture. At that time, the city had a substantial creative, intellectual, and cosmopolitan community. Is this still the case? Because if I remember, there are quite a few universities situated in the area. Yeah, there's a strong university presence in the in the city with um, uh, two univers two main universities in the in the city, uh, and we have the Fringe and uh, Adelaide Festival. We have a Writers Week each year, so yeah, in, in that regard, yes, I, I definitely say it's a creative city. To, it's probably still the creative city that you knew in that in that period. As far as the architecture, yes, that's something that's dear to me and um, something that uh, I think is something un- unique to Adelaide. Yes, it was the sandstone buildings and the architecture that captured my attention while I was there. Yeah, something that should be treasured and that sometimes perhaps uh, isn't as treasured as much as it should be by uh, by governments and, and councils, um, unfortunately. But uh, yes, yeah, so a stroll down North Terrace and uh, through the, through the city. There's there's beautiful buildings to see there, and, and as far as the parks go, yeah, the the, uh, the parks here are beautiful. Yes, I went to many outdoor concerts in that main park near the city. It's a perfect location. And is the bookshop anywhere near Rundle Mall? Yeah, the shop's historically just been in sort of the main building of Adelaide, and uh, Rundle Mall is sort of the central shopping street in Adelaide, as you probably know. Uh, and we're on uh, what's called Bank Street, which is just opposite the Government House and the, the train station. And Ben, you mentioned your love of architecture. Do you carry a lot of books about Adelaide's architecture? We do, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in our shop, we always try to keep a good selection of architecture. I keep local related titles, Australian related ones, but also obviously there's um, some of the, the bigger worldwide names that we, that we always try to stop that people are always interested in. Yeah, my mother and father were lovers of uh, early Australian architecture. And in their library, they had a collection of books featuring national trust houses within Australia. And whenever I come back to Australia for a visit, I look around at the architecture and wonder if the locals realise the gems they have in the neighbourhoods. Well, often people from other parts of the world appreciate it more than we do here, I find. But um, talking to talking to uh, tourists and, and whatnot... Uh, but you're right, and especially Adelaide. I mean, the way Adelaide was formed is a little bit different to the rest of the, the, um, the country. And, um, yeah, some of the freedoms that were taken architecturally and, and were allowed are, are really special and should be preserved, I think. Well, you won't get any argument from me in that area because I love historic architecture. But I noticed a little uh, sadness in your voice as you were talking about the uh, older buildings in Adelaide is gentrification happening in the city? It does, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think once these things are gone, they, they can never be built again, and uh, they're, they're part of our culture, they're part of our history, and, and they should be uh, respected and preserved as such. People often comment there's so much here when they come from other states. They say there's still so much as opposed to the cities they've come from where a lot has, has gone, but uh, 
when you live here, you do notice that, that, um, that a lot isn't as preserved as well as it should be. The parklands is always a bit of an issue, I suppose, in South Australia. They're a very valuable thing to the city and, and were a great design in the, the original layout of the, of the city by Colonel uh, William Light, and um, hopefully they can be preserved for us uh, for future generations to enjoy. Yes, I hope so. Now, for our listeners considering visiting Adelaide, what sites do you suggest they see? And can you recommend a few vegetarian or vegan restaurants and places to get a great cup of coffee while reading a book? Well, as far as the coffee goes, you're very well catered for. Adelaide has a lot of good coffee shops. However, probably the one that I'd recommend the most is directly opposite my bookshop, and that's called the uh, Bonobo Cafe, and a lovely... uh, Lovely chap named Derek runs that, and um, and uh, yeah, he'll certainly look after you there. Beautiful coffee and excellent service. As far as restaurants, Adelaide is also very well catered for. Um, vegetarian and vegan. If you go to the central market, um, I, I'm sure there's options there for for uh, vegan and vegetarian. There's beautiful fresh produce there, and uh, one of the gems of, the, of Adelaide really is the central market. The choice and diversity of fresh produce all produced here in South Australia. And what about historic sites to visit or art galleries? Well, um, the, the, the art gallery is beautiful here. Probably my two favourite art galleries in Australia are the Sydney and the Adelaide art galleries. They have a good mixture of modern and classical and uh, their permanent exhibitions are both very good, but uh, particularly the Adelaide one. Uh, the State Library is, is definitely something worth. The Mortlock Library is something worth looking at and as you said a lot of the uh, the beaches here are beautiful and the further south you go down the more beautiful they, they become that's not to say that even Glenelg and Brighton which are only you know 10-15 minutes from the city aren't, aren't beautiful beaches but uh, the further south you go even more pristine they, they become in the Mount Lofty ranges there's lots of interesting sites to see as well Aboriginal rock art oh and let's not forget the Barossa Valley the Barossa is great and the McLaren Vale, both two very nice uh, wine regions, early established wine regions in South Australia that are big tourist destinations from people, for people all over the world. Yes, and I remember you saying earlier the wine was probably one of the uh, biggest exports of the area. I have a vivid memory of when I first came to the United States, I was in a kind of health food deli come supermarket in Santa Monica, and this was in 82, 83, probably 83. And I remember walking in and I saw bottles of red wine from the Barossa Valley, and it just kind of made me a bit homesick. (laughs) I've had the same experience. I I used to travel quite regularly to to Japan back when we we do those things. And uh, I'm hoping to again soon. But um, the reason I go there is there's a, there's a lot of bookshops in Tokyo, and there's a big book selling and literary culture in Tokyo. And because of that, I'd visit there and uh, buy and sell and trade with other book dealers there and bring back a lot of interesting Japanese art and, and whatnot with me uh, as I did that. But yeah, I'd often find wines from Adelaide in, in Tokyo while I was there as well. In fact, I found a Cooper's beer there once as well, which was near where I live here. Well, let's get back to the bookshop. What magic ingredient do you think keeps customers returning to independent bookshops, whether they sell used, new or antiquarian books? Well, I can speak from my experience and I think the main ingredient is the relationships that we build with the customers. 
I mean, I, personally, I, I get a lot of enjoyment. Of, I say to people, the two main things I enjoy are the people and the books. There's other sides to running a business that I don't perhaps enjoy as much, but, uh, but have to be done nonetheless. But the different kinds of people that I come across and, and deal, deal with in the shop is, is an endless sense of in, uh, a source of enjoyment to me. Um, and I suppose that is in, infectious in, as far as for our customers, they enjoy, they enjoy coming to a shop where they feel that the relationship that they have with us is, is a valued one. There's that. And then, of course, there's the, the books themselves. And um, here at O'Connell's, we try to keep a, a very broad range of, of uh, interests uh, and, and stop to cater to a broad range of, range of interests rather. So I'll, I'll sell anything from trashy romance. I'm not too snobby to sell that. Uh, but we also sell, you know, super rare first editions and tomes that are three, four, sometimes 500 years old in the shop as well. But, but I suppose what makes our shop special is, is, is that we, we cater to everybody. We cater to, to uni students, to, to collectors, to, to all, all walks of life, to people on a budget, to people where budget isn't of an issue. So I suppose that makes it, makes it a, a, a special shop. Yes, and I completely agree with you about building the relationships between a bookseller and a customer, something you don't get from an algorithm. Since your family has owned O'Connell's Bookshop, what is the rarest book you've held in your hands? I, I think that all the, all the time, and there's lots of books that when I sell them, this is, this is true, I, there's, a, there's a pang of sadness and I feel like I'm letting go of some, something. And, and I, I say that completely honestly. We're really just sort of custodians of these things. And when, when you see the, the sheer age of some of these items that we have, some of them are literally up to, you know, 500 years old, you realise you are only, you know, your, your brief time that you, you have here is, 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 um, is nothing compared to this book that you're holding in your hand. So, so you are really only the custodian of some of these things for a short moment. Um, and that's, that's a special thing. Uh, and to think where it's where it's going to go from then on. But, yeah, we've had lots of rare items. Um, we, we have lots of rare ones now. Um, currently got a, a Walt Whitman volume that he's held in his hand that's hand-signed by Walt. Um, what else have we had? George Orwell, for lots of various different George Orwell. I'm a big George Orwell fan. He's someone I'm close, uh, he's close to my heart with his writing. Uh, we've had autographed editions of his, A.A. Um, Milne autographed editions, Winnie the Poohs. Sold a set of um, memoirs of uh, popular, extraordinary, extraordinary popular delusions by McKay, first editions to a bookseller in Florida a couple of years ago, uh, which is a very rare set that had been in Adelaide for since you know the, the mid eighteen hundreds, and we bought off, off a collector here. So yeah, we get we get some pretty remarkable stuff in here. Well, I do have a soft spot for Australian poets. But while we're talking about books, one of my favourite Australian authors is A.B. Facey. His novel, A Fortunate Life, is one of my all-time favourite books. I just love it. Do you have copies of that book? Because it's kind of difficult to get over here in the States. Uh, we have had, yes. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we, we do keep a, a strong in inventory of early Australiana from colonial times and uh, early experiences with the uh, Aboriginal and recollections of things like that. As far as poetry goes, people like Adam Lindsay Gordon and 
CJ Dennis, Andrew Patterson, Henry Lawson. We, we stock all of those. And, and actually, of late, there's, there's been quite a bit of a resurgence in the interest in those, which is, which is really nice, really refreshing to see. They're, they're, they're beautiful stuff. Yes, they are. And I will make sure to put a list of Australian poets in the show notes. But just to mention a few, there's Gwen Harwood, Lionel Fogarty, Dorothy Hewitt, Henry Lawson and Banjo Patterson, as you mentioned, Ujuru Nunakal, Judith Wright. I mean, the list goes on. But yes, I will put a list of Australian poets in the show notes. And I just want to touch on something, and that is Australia is a long way away from anywhere. But can you imagine what it must have been like for early settlers, the convicts who came out on the boats from England? Oh, my gosh. I just can't imagine what it was like for them. It must have been an adventure, yes, but terrifying at the same time. It makes sense to me that so many of them turned to words and art. Well, it was it was like, yeah, it was the equivalent of, you know, travelling to the moon or something at, at, at the time. And it was a... It, it, it was a peculiar, you know, it's a, it was a, a human endeavour that had real consequences. And uh, the way Australia has been formed has, it's a beautiful place to be here. And, and, we, sh- and, and uh, we, we shouldn't um, take that for granted. And it didn't happen by accident. Of course, there's, there's, there's good and bad things along the way. But what we have here in Australia is something that I believe should be uh, valued and, um, and, and how it developed and why it developed um, is of key importance. Yes, absolutely. And Ben, would you say you sell more fiction or non-fiction on a daily basis in the store? No, uh, there's there's no particular genre that we sell more than any of. I suppose classic literature, worldwide classic literature, um, is is a strength. There's a wealth of, of classic literature from the United States that, 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 of course, we sell and from the United Kingdom. But we also sell lots of Middle Eastern writers, other Asian writers, Japanese authors. People are always very interested in Asian authors, particularly Jap- Japanese. There's a lot of good literature from the last sort of 200 years that came, that came from Japan. Of course, we do sell Australian literature as well. Uh, Russian authors, yeah. So, I mean, we, we sell pretty well from all over everywhere yeah as far as literature goes but philosophy is a big a big one for us western philosophy eastern philosophy and history history science we, we sell yeah to all walks of life and to all kinds of uh, interests well it sounds like you have everything covered but what are you currently reading ben They're usually reading lots of different things at once i can't really read one book at a time and my my disposition is such that I, I probably get bored reading one particular sort of thing. And depending on my mood, I like to read something different. Um, but uh, at the moment, I'm reading a collection of Jack London short stories, um, which I'm revisiting after, of course, reading White Fang and, and uh, Call of the Wild when I was a kid and enjoying those. Ah, uh, you see, Jack London is one of my favourite authors. In particular, I love the letters that he wrote to his daughter. They're deeply personal and tell a lot about the history at that time. They are exquisitely written. Absolutely gorgeous prose. Yeah. yeah. He lived such a, a crazy life as well, very, very short and, um, and um, tumultuous life. And uh, yeah, so his, his writing sort of yeah, illustrates that. Um, what else am I reading? I'm reading um, A Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century by Brett Weinstein and Heather Hying, who are two. Um, uh, evolutionary biologists from the United States, 
the very interesting book sort of putting their take on some of the, the, the issues in the world through an evolutionary biologist's um, point of view, reading some writings of Thomas Sal, an economist and political philosopher from, uh, uh, from the United States, uh, from Stanford University at the, is it the, uh, the Hoover Institute. And uh, he's got a very, a, a very nice style of writing and a very good outlook on, uh, on economic matters and a very no-nonsense sort of uh, take on things and a very dry sense of humour, which I enjoy as well. Yeah, I'd encourage uh, anyone to, who hasn't uh, read him to, to, to look into him. One of the luxuries of having a, a bookshop is there's always, you're never stuck for something to read and there's, and you're always having new things put in front of you. So I'm, I'll be, as much as there might be things I read out of, um, you know, that, I, that I search out, there's there's some, there's things that find me as well. And, and because of that, I, I, I discover, I'm always discovering something new, which is, which I guess is one of the biggest joys of, of having a shop. Yes, I must say, I envy the libraries that booksellers have. Okay, Ben, for anyone listening who'd like to contact you, where is the best place to find you? Would you say your Facebook page? A lot of people do that. Contact us directly or um, you can email us at um, o'connellsbooks at bigpond.com and you can contact us directly through there or you can look at a, a, a small selection of, of what we have on ABE Books and it is quite a small selection. There's only a few thousand on there. Whereas we have, uh, you know, almost 100,000 books in our inventory here. Ben, thanks for being a guest on the Bookshop Podcast. It's been great chatting with another Jack London fan and hearing all about Adelaide. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous city. Well, I hope uh, I hope if, um, yeah, if you're ever visiting here, I'm sure um, if you do, you'll uh, pop into the shop and you'll be more, more than welcome. Yes, absolutely. That sounds like a plan. It must be time for us to say goodbye because your doggy keeps walking up to you. He is gorgeous. Is that a whippet? Yes, that's Oscar. He's the boss around here. He's the minister. He's the uh, in charge of PR around here. Oscar. Oscar. He's not. He's not used to this different routine with this um, call this morning. So he's a bit unsure. Perhaps he wants to get in or I don't know. Well, thank you, Oscar, for your time. And thank you, Ben, for your time. I'll make sure to put a little snippet of him, a little video of him on the uh, Patreon account. Thanks again, Ben, and you take care. Thank you, Mandy. You've been listening to my conversation with Ben O'Connell from O'Connell's Bookshop in Adelaide, Australia. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mandy Jackson Beverly. And check out my website at mandyjacksonbeverly.com. And if you'd like to contribute to the coffee fund, go to www.patreon.com forward slash the bookshop podcast and become a patron of the show. For just a few dollars a month, you get behind the scenes videos and your contributions support the production and editing costs of the show. For information regarding sponsoring an episode, email thebookshoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Theme music provided by Brian Beverly.